From the Financial Times in London, I'm John Murray Brown and this is FT News. This week, a fierce Russia-backed aerial assault on Syria's rebels in Aleppo has helped regime forces capture more than a third of rebel-held districts. Now it appears the Syrian rebels are in secret talks with Russia to end the fighting in the city. On the line with me from Beirut is the FT's Middle East correspondent, Erica Solomon, who broke the story. Hi, Erica. What's the condition of the rebel forces in Aleppo after weeks of Russian bombardment? The rebels inside of Aleppo have actually been cut off and under siege for almost four months. So they are now facing an offensive by Syrian regime forces backed by foreign Shia fighters from Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, and a Russian aerial campaign in support of the offensive. What it means basically is that they have had their supplies cut off, they're low on supplies at a time they're facing one of the fiercest offensives yet in Syria's civil war. And the chances that they have of reversing gains that the Assad regime has made this week look very difficult. Now today they announced that they were unifying all the rebel groups inside and it looks to have boosted morale a little bit. They managed to take back a little bit of territory. But I think, by and large, most people inside eastern Aleppo right now, which is the area that has been controlled by the rebels since 2012, the people there are feeling very, very pessimistic. People have died in huge numbers in the past few days. We've been hearing accounts of individual bombing strikes that may have killed up to 40 people even. So the scene there is quite horrific right now. And the story you broke that the anti-regime rebels are holding talks with the Russians, is this the first time this has happened? It's actually not the first time that rebel leaders have met with Russian representatives. Russia has for a long time claimed that they've met with rebels. And for many, many months when they first started claiming this, we never found any cases of rebel groups that really had effective influence on the ground meeting with the Russians. That all began to change earlier this year after the collapse of the Geneva talks in February 2016. Around then, we started to hear some whispers of a few rebel groups. They were never the biggest ones with the biggest firepower, the biggest fighting force, but they were influential groups, and they were groups actually in Aleppo. And these groups did hold small individual meetings. Some of the rebel groups that I contacted to ask them about it confirmed it, but insisted it was only an individual member of the group who went to sort of hear out the Russians, not anything that represented them. What's changing this time is that the rebels are saying, yes, these conversations are happening, a large number of us are doing it, and we are doing it because we feel that Neither the UN nor the US has been able to get us anywhere, and so this is the point we've reached. And you wrote about Turkey's role as the facilitator in these talks. What are the tensions between Turkey and Russia? We know historically that their relations have not been great. This summer, the badly damaged Russian-Turkish relationship clearly looked on the mend. After Turkey a year ago shot down a Russian warplane and things looked like they couldn't really get much worse, this summer Turkish forces entered Syrian soil after President Erdogan issued an apology for that plane being shot down. And that was widely seen at the time as a clear indication that Russia and Turkey were building some mutual understandings. It wasn't clear how much was directly negotiated, but they were clearly reaching understandings about zones of influence in Syria, with Turkey playing a role in certain parts of northern Syria. And one of the places that looked clearly that they hadn't agreed on was Aleppo. And that's really coming to the fore now. Last week, Turkish forces were struck by what they claim were regime warplanes. And they say that this means that 
Russia gave them the green light. And later this week, Erdogan made some comments claiming that the reason that they entered Syria was to bring down President Bashar al-Assad's government, as opposed to before when it was said to be to beat back the jihadi group ISIS, as well as Kurdish rivals of the Turkish government who have a militia force in Syria. So these tensions are starting to bubble up again between Turkey and Russia, and it's not clear where it's heading. That's actually what makes the talks more interesting, in a way, to me, because it suggests that even though relationships aren't going that well right now, they see each other as the people they need to reach out to to have talks. So what's Moscow's motivation in entering into these talks with the anti-regime rebels? Russia has always wanted to have the legitimacy of, of being a group that was speaking to both the rebels and the regime. So in some ways, this really plays into the image that they've wanted to create, and I think that's an important point. The second thing is also logistics. Aleppo is a huge city. It was the biggest city in Syria by population before the war began. And so governing the city, when half of it was basically rebelling against Assad rule for the past four years, that's going to be a big challenge. It would be much easier for them to have some buy-in, maybe not everybody, but a significant portion of the opposition, to some kind of a deal. It would also free them and President Bashar al-Assad's forces to go on and fight in other places and not have the burden of having to govern this area. And away from the siege of Aleppo, how are Assad's regime forces faring elsewhere in Syria? When Russia intervened on Mr. Assad's behalf starting September last year, the game really changed. Since then, everything looks to have been going in Bashar al-Assad's favor. He is basically very close now, with these advances in Aleppo, to holding all of the major cities in Syria, what some people cynically call useful Syria. So his position is strong. He will always be battling with an insurgency even if he recaptures all of Aleppo. That won't go away. But what some people say about this is that when critics say Assad is going to regain a broken Syria, one that's full of insurgents, that's not really ever the point. Assad can deal with an insurgency as long as it's not a real challenge to his power. So by those measures, if that's true, Assad is doing very well. And finally, what would you say these developments tell us about America's influence in the region? I think actually that's the most interesting thing about the revelation of these talks. It shows that, especially in Syria, but even more broadly in the region, regional and local actors don't really feel that America has the weight diplomatically and politically or doesn't choose to have that weight. And so they're starting to reach deals amongst themselves or with other powers such as Russia. This could be a temporary shift. I mean, obviously, we have a new administration coming in. President-elect Donald Trump has made it clear so far that he would like to actually improve relations with Russia and has very little interest, as far as we've seen, in working with Syrian rebels. But, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen. Right now, though, what it looks like the legacy of the Obama administration is, in the Middle East anyway, is sort of a reluctance to get involved, and it's pushing these actors to find other ways to shift the balances of power, to make deals, and it could lead to some very interesting power shifts in the region. Okay, Erica, thanks very much for those very illuminating observations on the situation in Syria, which obviously still looks very bleak.